Well, we're, we're coming to the end of uh, August, the end of the summer, and we're getting to the end of the series that we've been in, uh, Summer of Love, each week uh, for this summer. We've been looking through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, taking a, a deep dive into the attributes of God's kind of love. I hope it has been a useful um, sermon series and that uh, you're learning it. I thought it would be a good time this morning to just read through um, the, uh, the different attributes that we've been looking at. So um, if we can get to that slide on here, it's, uh, it says, and maybe we can just read this together as a review. Don't worry, we're not going to have a test. It's not summer school. Um, but uh, maybe this will just be a, a good reminder of where we've been. Uh, so let's read this together. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. All right, there's so much in there. And uh, I hope that, you know, some of those trigger some things of, of what God has been uh, teaching you. And I think, I don't know that any of us ever get past the kindergarten level when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the understanding um, and increasing in our depth of understanding about love. We're, we're constantly learning more. And, and this morning, what we're going to do is jump into my, what you might call um, is the, the stubborn side of love. Uh, verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says that love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. So there's a softer side to love that tends to get most of the attention in our culture today. It's, it's called uh, desire, right? But, but there's a flip side to it. There's a stubborn side to love that's called devotion, uh, and what that's getting at is that there is no quit to love. Uh, that the love of God is a relentless love. That God's kind of love is a love that doesn't tap out when things start getting tough. And, um, and I think that's good news for us because the reality is we are all in desperate need of that kind of stubborn love flowing into our lives and flowing through our lives through our relationships, because uh, here's the thing, there is this gap between the real and the ideal that, that every one of us know about it, right? There is this, uh, this gap that every one of our realities can understand between the way things are and the way they ought to be. And desire can't fill that gap. Devotion can. Devotion is what bridges the gap between what is and what ought to be. It, it bridges it by, by doing exactly what this verse says, by bearing with, by believing in, by hoping for, and by enduring through. You know, in the, in the fairy tale stories, the way they go is that uh, the moment love gets inserted into the equation, of course, it's got to be true love, Right? Everyone lives happily ever after. That, uh, that desire is all it takes. Desire defeats all the enemies. It solves all the problems. It makes all the obstacles disappear. 
and all the pieces just magically fall into place and love transports you to your ideal existence. But, uh, but you might have noticed that back here in the real world, um, it doesn't matter how much desire you add into the mix, right? The hardships still happen. The difficulties don't go away. People are all works in progress. Relationships still get messy. And reality rarely plays out the way that we expect it to. And the question is, what happens then? Uh, I was recently reading an article, uh, and um, it was this article about this, I guess it's been very highly publicized, divorce between Giselle, is it Bunchen? And thank you, and Tom Brady. And she was explaining, giving her rationale for their breakup, and she said this, sometimes you grow together, and sometimes you grow apart. As time goes by, we realize we just wanted different things. And uh, kind of broke my heart hearing that, and I think of what it sounds like. is, In other words, desire ran its course. And, and desire always does, it always does run its course, and if devotion hasn't entered into the equation, then just putting an end to it and moving on, that just seems like the logical conclusion of where to go from there. That's why devotion is so important. Devotion refuses to work that way. Devotion builds a bridge between the real and the ideal, and it does that by deciding in advance to do what this passage tells about, bear with, believe for, hope in, endure through. That's the kind of relational foundation we all need in our lives because it's strong enough to bear the weight of the things that come uh, in the course of a lifetime. So love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. And of course, the common denominator, you've probably picked up on it by now, is that the, the statement being all things. And I think that's another way of saying no matter what. Or maybe, to be more specific, no matter how bad it gets. Because I don't know what it's like in your life, but I don't think I've met anyone who ever has had to bear a blessing. Right? It's, it's, it's the burdens that we have to bear. And, and we don't need to believe when the situation's going great. It's, it's those difficult situations. The ones that seem unbelievable, those are the challenges. And, and hope kicks in when? When it feels hopeless. And, and no one's ever had to persevere through the good times. We, we have to endure the hard times. And you see, that's what devotion is all about. It's deciding in advance to love someone else through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so love doesn't say, I didn't sign up for this. It doesn't say, sorry, I'm out. This just isn't working for me anymore. All things doesn't mean that I'll love you as long as, fill in the blank. It means I will love you even if, fill in the blank. And, and I think just as a model is, we can look at this whole letter of 1 Corinthians we've been making our way through. It's a, it's a model of that kind of devotion. Because as we've seen, the Corinthian church that this letter was written to, that Paul wrote it to, 
it was in rough shape. This place was an utter disaster. It was filled with with factions and fighting and selfishness and infighting. And the problems were everywhere. And, 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 And this letter isn't Paul just signing off and saying, you guys are a mess. I'm out of here. See you later. What, what he does instead is he's like, I'm jumping in. He, he takes them by the hand and he bears with them. He hopes for them. He believes in them and he endures through the mess. And he just takes them one step at a time until they reach the other side. See, that's, that's what love does. And so maybe, maybe it's just worth filling in some of the blanks that, uh, that could be, that, that, that bucket of all things, right, that love bears and endures. What, what might be in that bucket? Let's spell it out, at least a couple of the scenarios. In, in the marriage context, how about when your spouse loses their job and your reality goes from financially secure to financially insecure overnight? Or how about when a, when a loved one gets sick and there's a whole lot of care and attention that needs to get redirected from what you're doing to what needs to get done? Or how about when mental illness hits the household? Or maybe your wife suffers from postpartum depression or, or your husband's struggling with an addiction or can't seem to engage emotionally or, or when tragedy hits that all falls under the, the context of all things. It, it's, it's there in that bucket. It may, it may come out in your life. See, these are, these are difficult challenges. And when these kind of things hit our lives, desire's got nothing to offer. Devotion does. It says, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And this is difficult, but we are going to get through it together. Now, I need to make a clarification because anytime we bring up subjects like this, I have to clarify that uh, loving is not enabling, okay? So sometimes this can be confusing for people. What are you saying, Pastor Brian? You know, if I'm being abused, does that mean I have to stay in that situation? No, absolutely not. That is not what it's about. That's not loving. Um, That is no way what this is saying. It means to get safe. Um, But I also need to add this. And I hope I don't get in trouble for it, but if I do, I'm sorry in advance. Um, This word, toxic, has been thrown around so much. And I see that it's gotten to the place where we can take this word and find a way to fix that label and paste it on someone so that we can convince ourselves that we can be done with them. And, And that doesn't mean that there are times when that is the case. But I also think we need to move very carefully. Um, I don't think there is a person in this room who, if we wanted to build a case against and label that person toxic, we could. I don't know you that well, so maybe not. But I know, if, at least for myself, if you want to, you could. Um, so so we, have to be, we have to be careful about these kind of things. Uh, but uh, the point is that love sticks around and sees things through, it perseveres, it doesn't cut and run. And maybe you have an example of that. I do. Uh, some of you were around um, 
back in the spring of 2014. I guess it's nine years ago now, which is crazy. But uh, the day before Easter morning, the Saturday before, I took a spill on my mountain bike and I ended up hitting my head on the ground and I broke my neck in three places. And uh, I was sidelined for three months. Uh, Three months in a neck brace which if you've ever been in one, you know I am fully convinced a neck brace ought to be labeled as a torture device. (laughs) It was a horrible experience. And three months, I sat in an electric chair. Now, not not the electric chair, but (laughs) I had this recliner, this armchair recliner with electric controls, and that was kind of where I, like, lived my life out of for three months. And... uh, And there was nothing at all that was fun about it. There was nothing about that chapter in my life that fit into my plan, my expectations. And, you know, needless to say, I could do just about nothing. And and I was, I felt like a burden. Like I was this incredible inconvenience to everyone around me. And honestly, I felt like an idiot because I did something so stupid that costs so much. But what I'll never forget is, 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 is the way so many people on so many levels just went out of their way and supported and loved on me. They inconvenienced themselves for me. And of course, that started with my wife and my kids and my family. And, and other pastors stepped in to preach because I was, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't leave. Um, and uh, our church family, you guys brought meals, dropped them off at our house. We were just, I was surrounded with so much support that I just didn't, I didn't deserve. Um, I didn't feel worthy of. And yet it was just showered upon me. And I will tell you that that has impacted me. Here we are nine years later. I don't think I'm going to ever get over that. I think that's with me for the rest of my life. Powerful. Powerful. It's devoted love. Devoted love shines in the hard times. And there's a Hebrew word that that describes that kind of love. It's the word hesed. And uh, it's translated loyal love. Hesed is loyal love. And and, and it's, it's also talking about covenant love. Covenant love that makes a promise, that binds itself together to someone else and commits to be there no matter what. Come what may. There's an Old Testament book that, that illustrates this Hesed love, a few of them actually, but Ruth is one of them. If you're familiar with the story of Ruth, Ruth was this Moabite woman, and, and that means that she was a foreigner. She wasn't an Israelite, but she married into an Israelite family. But then her husband dies. As a matter of fact, her husband's brother also dies, and Come to think of it, like the first three or four verses of the book, all the guys die. It's not a, it's not a great start to the story. Um, but at that point, it's just, uh, it's just the women who are left, the mother and these two daughters, daughter-in-laws. And, um, and, and the mother, whose name is Naomi, she, she releases both of them. And, and one takes off, but Ruth refuses to leave. And so Naomi is like urging Ruth, don't stay here. Don't be bothered with me. I'm going to be nothing but a burden for you. She says, go back home. Go back to where you came from. Make a life for yourself there. But Ruth just wouldn't have it. 
And so she binds herself to Naomi and she makes this vow. She says this, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. What she's saying is I am in this with you. That from this point forward, what happens to you happens to me. That like our destinies are intertwined. There's, there's nothing that's going to change that. And, and, and as the story plays out, it shows that that kind of love, that kind of hesed love, that loyal love that makes those kind of covenant pro- promises, specifically when they're centered around the Lord, it leads to good things. It leads to God's blessing. That good things happen when our relationships are grounded on commitment, not on convenience. And, and I'll, I'll note that that is in utter contrast to the messages that we hear in our culture today. Don't get tied down. You need to keep your options open. Don't let something as silly as a commitment getting in, get in the way of you becoming all that you can be. Or I think the way it's called today is becoming your true self. Right? And when you peel back the layers, you know what you find there is just a whole lot of selfishness. And that selfishness needs to get called out because that's the attitude that leads to isolation and the epidemic of emptiness that we see around our society today. Right? Blessings don't come from keeping our options open and living to do whatever we want to do, but from connecting and committing. So Ruth, she's just this, this human snapshot of God's kind of loyal love. That's the way our God loves us. She's a reminder that our God is a God who makes promises and keeps promises. He, he binds himself to his people and he keeps on loving us through thick and through sin, through, through thin. Um, so, so covenant, it's, it's like it's making a promise and, and, and a covenant is, is different from a contract, right? You, you know what a contract is. A contract comes with conditions. It's like a 50-50 thing. Here's your part, here's my part, and as long as you do your part, I'll do my part. But if you don't do your part, all bets are off and I'm out. Right? That's, that's a contract. Contracts are conditional. Covenants are unconditional. Covenant says, I am keeping my promise. And, and what I promise to do for you, it's not contingent on what you do for me. It's very different. And maybe the most extreme example of, of this covenant, Hesed, loyal love, is found in the very first part of the book of Hosea, another Old Testament book. And Hosea was this Old Testament prophet during a time when God's chosen people, the Israelites, they were living at an all-time low. They had just completely turned their backs on the Lord, and they were living in outright rebellion, just wrapped up in idolatry and all these false gods and chasing after the things of the people around them. And and God was very clear. He described what you're doing is spiritual adultery. And he was trying to press the point to get them to turn, but it wasn't happening. And so to illustrate the seriousness of the situation he enlists this prophet Hosea. He says, I want to make you a living snapshot 
of my loyal love. And I also want your life to demonstrate my people's ongoing rebellion and their unfaithfulness. The hope in doing so was that they would see what they were doing and wake up and come to their senses and, and turn and repent. And, and so it's kind of crazy. Um, God instructed Hosea to go and marry the town prostitute. Her, her name was Gomer. And everyone knew from day one that there was no way Gomer was going to be faithful to him. And it played out. Night after night, she'd leave him and she'd run out to town and she'd sleep around. And she'd wake up in a different bed each morning. She'd be a total mess. And each morning, Hosea would go out, track her down, find her, pick her up, clean her up, take her by the hand and bring her back home. He kept on caring for her. Even when she bore children that weren't his, he kept on caring for her. He raised them as his own. The point came when she hit rock bottom and she ended up selling herself into slavery. And Hosea went out, found out where she was, and he paid the ransom price for her, bought her back, and kept on loving her. Now, I got to tell you, like that is about as extreme an example of Hesed love as you may ever come across. And I don't know, I don't know that any of us would be able to take on a ministry assignment like that. I'm very glad God hasn't called us to. I think that was a one time. <laughs> uh, but it gives us just this glimpse, this small glimpse into the kind of love that our God loves us with. See, here's the reality. When we wander away, he keeps loving us. He doesn't stop loving us if we stop loving him. And that's, that's borderline unbelievable. Love, it says, bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul writes down this prayer that he's praying for his people. It's an incredible prayer. He's praying to see some things take shape in the church he's ministering to, um, that they, it says, will, along with God's redeemed people, that they be able to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses understanding, knowing that the outcome of comprehending the incomplete incomprehensible love of God would be that we'd be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I, I love that prayer. It's probably the prayer I've prayed most for our church here. And what it shows us is that the love of God is bigger than anything we can fathom, right? It's beyond understanding. We, we cannot help but underestimate the depths of God's love because it goes beyond what the finite human mind is able to grasp. And that's, that's why he prays, Lord, would you do a supernatural work in your people? Would you somehow download the reality of your love for us into the deepest part of who we are? Because here's the thing, according to this prayer, when that happens, that's the point when we be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you, do, you, do you see that connection? The more we grasp the mind-blowing love of God, the fuller the experience of God that we have 
in our lives. Don't, don't miss that. See, the problem is never that we make too much of God's love. Sometimes we, we think God's love is like our love, just bigger, but it's not. His love is a whole different category. But it's always that we're not making enough of his love. And you know, the ultimate expression of the loyal love of God is found in the ultimate act of devotion. When Jesus went to the cross, when he laid down his life as a sacrifice for our sin. So Romans 5.8, simple sentence. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I just want to stop and let that sink in. The profoundness of that statement. When we were at our worst, not when we were good people going to church, keeping the rules, doing all the right things, when we were sinners, that's the point when Jesus loved us to the greatest extent. He loved us the way that we needed, not the way that we deserved. It's what the cross is all about. He went and he paid a price that he didn't owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. And so the sinless son of God bore the ultimate weight himself, the, the punishment for our sin and our rebellion. We deserved it, but he took it and suffered it himself for us. He gave up his life. He died in our place to pay the price in full. So in him, we can be forgiven. We can be redeemed. We can be restored and made right with the God who created us, who wants to be in our lives and leading our lives. So let me ask you this morning, have you received him? Have you received Jesus? Have you placed your trust in what he's done? Have you invited him into your life? John chapter 1 says, To as many as received him, to, to them gave he the power to be children of God, brought into God's family, loved and redeemed and beloved children. See, that's, that's the kind of thing loyal love does. It's, it's devotion, and it goes to places desire can't go. So many years ago, I remember driving through Brewster, past the reservoir that was dried up at the time, and there on the brick wall of the reservoir, there was this uh, spray-painted message, freshly spray-painted message. Uh, in white letters, it read this, I love you, Ashley. <laughs> now, I don't know who Ashley is. I don't know who wrote that message, but I was like, you know, that's kind of impressive. Like, whoever, whoever spray-painted that, he must really... Love Ashley. He really must love her to go to that extent. And, and then I thought about it a little bit more and came to the conclusion that, well, you know, his expression of love, maybe it's profound. But other than the fact that he could have got arrested for doing it, it's really a pretty safe and shallow expression of love all by itself. Because it's just words. Nothing more than words. There's no actions behind that, no sacrifice, no promises. See, love remains untested until it's endured the fire of sacrifice. That's what devotion is all about. You know, he could have just loved Ashley because he loved the way she made him feel. Um, 
Our expressions of love are most clearly displayed, not in words, not in feelings, but in our willingness to be there, to commit, to give ourselves for the sake of another, even when there's nothing they can give back in return. And we muster all of our resources, our strength, and do everything we can for the well-being of the ones we love. It's what the cross is all about. And I think what this comes to is that those who have been loved with that kind of love, we're the ones who are most able to love others with that same kind of love. Right? We can't love others with Jesus' perfect love perfectly. We're still people in progress. Um, But we have the target. We see the model. And the reality is that our Savior, our Lord, wants to love other people with his love through us. And so the question is this, is is it going to cost something to love others that way? Absolutely. There's nothing convenient about acts of devotion. Bearing with, believing in, hoping for, enduring through is guaranteed to cramp your style. It is going to be inconvenient. And I want to challenge you to go for it with everything you've got because it's good and it's worth it. See, I believe that at least a part of the way that that Ephesians prayer gets answered, where we experience the fullness of God, where we understand the extent of his love, is, is, that, is that that happens as we experience the love of God on a human level. Right? For, for me, it's just being stuck in an armchair with a neck brace on and just having people pour out love on me in a way that I didn't deserve, I hadn't earned and didn't feel worthy of and that, yeah, it was. God's people loving each other with that kind of sacrificial love. Let's go for it.